The following message is from Bear Creek Church. More information about BCC is available at bearcreekchurch.org. Our passage of scripture this morning in deference to the uh, to the authority of the word of God, I invite you to stand as I read if you are able. John chapter 15, the first five verses. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Father, thank you that this church has been useful to you in ways that we have mentioned this morning. And in thousands of other ways that we could never detail on this side of glory. Continue to use this church, Father, that we be productive in your kingdom. Right now, produce fruit through the teaching of your word by our pastor. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Go go get them. Okay. You know, you knew we were going to ignore that request of yours, right? Ignore what? Well, what a, you may be seated. You, um, what a perfect passage in the providence of God to be here in John 15, speaking about bearing fruit. And we've had these great examples um, given to us. We started with examples. Usually you kind of give them in the middle or afterwards. But we started with this example of, of uh, Johnny and Friends Family Retreat. You being the, the hands and feet of Jesus. And when we think of this picture of a vine, we should think of, I want you to think of the Holy Spirit and dwelling believers flowing through them, connecting them to Jesus so that the fruit of His love is tasted. And this means that Really, some eternally significant things happened over these last couple of weeks. It may seem, I know it was exhausting, but it may seem kind of small. You know, I use this big, eternally significant. It may seem small, but if it's the fruit of the Spirit, it's significant. And God sees and God rewards And because tomorrow is Pastor Dale's birthday, we thought it would be a really good time to express our gratefulness to God. Our gratefulness to God for how he's flowed through Pastor Dale, encouraging this fruitfulness in our lives and in the lives of all these missionaries. Uh, It's glorious. It's wonderful. These are eternally significant things because of the vine. It's not the acts of service in and of themselves because 
Well, think about it. Lots of unbelievers do good and loving and kind things. There are wonderful non-Christian organizations that do great humanitarian works. But the only things that last will be those things done for the glory of God. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 and know that your work that's done for God matters. And that God will be the judge. He writes, Paul writes, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's a foundation authorized by Jesus through the work of the apostles. And now we, we build upon this foundation as the church. Paul goes on to say, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold... Silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire." In other, words, in other words, our good works, building upon that foundation, matter. And when it comes from God, it's built upon and for his kingdom, then you're going to be blessed and you will be rewarded by God. STMs, buddies, all the people helping organize and be a part of that, we thank you for the work and the joyful sacrifice given over these last couple of weeks. I pray that, that your building materials were gold, silver, precious stones that proved to be lasting and richly rewarded by God. So, uh, changing to the illustration of our text, which is the vine, but it all fits. Let's, let's think back to the vine. I pray that the another way to say it is the the sap of Jesus was flowing through you, to you and through you. I pray that this was the fruit of the Spirit. Blessing others as you're connected to Jesus, as you abide in him. God is good. He wants to reward you, and he will. And you'll turn around with joy and give him the praise for it because it was only possible through Jesus and because of Jesus. So there's no need, Pastor Dale, to cringe when you've been recognized and appreciated because God gets the glory. And he wants to reward those who are instruments in his hands, bearing fruit for him. In this picture of the vine, what do we see? We see Jesus declaring this is the, the last of the I am statements, a state, statements that speak to his deity, and he declares, I am the true vine. Jesus teaches his disciples, and, and as some people speculate, you know, here, this is the farewell discourse, and he said, 
okay, let's get up and go. Some speculate that they're on their way and looking at maybe the, um, the temple on top of Mount Zion because above the entry to the holy place, there's this massive decora- decoration of a vine. Imagine Jesus pointing this out and saying, do you see the symbol of Israel? Well, I'm the true vine. Israel was known as God's vine, meant to be a blessing to the nations, and yet it turned against him. It became a wild vine, producing bitter fruit. Look at the judgment that we see in Isaiah 5 concerning this. Isaiah 5 says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked, he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. And then in Jeremiah 2, God complains to Israel saying, I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? So this is the context. Jesus here is recognizing the failure of Israel to be the vine that God desired. And he declares, I am the true vine. I am the true fruit-bearing blessing to the nations of God's goodness. And the evidence we see is the spread of the gospel to bless all peoples. Israel not only failed to be the true vine of blessing, but they became a false vine, a wild vine. And God was displeased, displeased with their idolatry and wickedness. But Isaiah 53 foretold of God being pleased with Jesus, saying that he grew up before him like a young plant. And we see God's delight in Jesus as he grew in humble circumstances, in perfect obedience to him, leading to his baptism where God spoke from heaven, saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I like how Richard Phillips sums this up, saying, The fruit that God desired from Israel but did not find, he gained for himself by sending his own son to be the true vine from which his new and righteous people would live and bear good fruit. If you're a Christian, then you should be be used to hearing about fruit. Fruit of the Spirit and our call to to bear fruit, to bring forth fruit. Jesus gives us a picture. He gives us an illustration. And here are the various parts in this illustration. Jesus is the true vine. The Father is the vine dresser or the one who cares for each branch. And the disciples are the branches, which spread eventually to us as disciples, and we become branches as well. And concerning branches, Jesus describes two kinds of branches here. There are branches that bear fruit and are pruned by God to bear even more fruit, and then there are branches that do not bear fruit and are taken away, and ultimately, as we see in verse 6, they're gathered up and thrown into the fire. 
We're still in this section of John known as Jesus' farewell discourse. Earlier, he gives, he gives his disciples promises. Promises to reassure and bring comfort, knowing that hard times are coming. And now he's giving them really more instruction. He's telling them what's expected, that they bear fruit. He's telling them about dead branches so they're not confused by this. He's telling them of the absolute necessity of abiding in Christ. Jesus knows their upcoming role in laying this foundation for the church. And so they need to be taught that their success, their fruit that will spread and grow into more and more fruit will only happen if they're connected to Jesus through the life-giving sap or strength of the Holy Spirit. They need to abide in Him. They need to know about these two kinds of branches. They need to know that God is sovereign over their upcoming painful circumstances, that He's working or, or pruning. He's pruning for their good, meaning that they'll be even more fruitful. And likewise, as disciples of Christ, we need to know this same truth as well. We need to know that the Holy Spirit indwells us and flows Jesus to us, and that the Father sovereignly knows what's best in each of our individual lives, how to prune us so that we might have the characteristics of Jesus, so that we might bear His fruit, for his glory in blessing others. Now, without getting into the details, I'm going to assume you know that pruning back a fruit tree or a, or a vine is for the purpose of producing more and more fruit. And in this illustration, fruit has to do really with ministry. And all Christians are called to minister with our families, people around you at work, in hospitality, being a loving neighbor, caring for people's various needs, whether it be in areas of justice or helping with practical needs or financial needs, caring for those affected by disability, going to serve at a camp, being a buddy each week in our disability ministry here. How we are in all of these areas of life should remind people of Jesus. Believers are all, all equipped to minister, to bear fruit, to be like Jesus to someone. So this instruction of Jesus applies to us as well. And so, so does the warning. That if we're not bearing fruit, we should be concerned. So what does it mean for us to bear fruit? And I think maybe me growing up and maybe some of you might think that bearing fruit is equated to winning souls. And you're like, ah, oh, not doing so well there. To how many people you've led to Christ. And certainly this is a fruit, but is it exclusively the fruit that Jesus has in mind? No. Another related question has to do 
with these branches that are gathered up and thrown into the fire, does this mean that a Christian can lose their salvation? That unless they they continue bearing fruit, they'll be gathered up and thrown into the fires of hell. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that one important rule of interpreting Scripture is that we consider the context. Well, another very important rule of interpreting Scripture is that we interpret Scripture with Scripture. Scripture will agree with Scripture. It won't contradict itself because God is not a God of confusion. There may be teachings that appear to contradict, that have an appearance of that. But if we rightly interpret, not ignoring the passages that we don't like, then we will see really that it's a mystery and mysteries are meant to be revealed. With that said, how do we understand these branches that are connected to the vine or to Jesus in some way, how do we understand them as being taken off the vine and thrown into the fire? Certainly the fire represents hell. So does this teach that a Christian can be removed from the faith because because they're not doing enough? That they can lose their salvation and be condemned to hell? Well, to answer that question, let me ask you a question. Why does that sound so obviously wrong? It does, doesn't it? It sounds so obviously wrong. Why? Why? Because the rest of Scripture says otherwise. The core of the gospel says otherwise. Because Jesus said that he was the true shepherd. And that he gives his sheep eternal life, not temporary life, eternal life. And they will not perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand, Jesus said. Because in John 6, Jesus said, and this is the will of him who sent me, the the Father. This is his will, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. We know this is not true also because in John's first epistle... We're given a very clear teaching that explains, that explains this question, that explains this confusion over those who do walk away from the faith, saying, they went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. There are unbelievers who are in the church and thus they have an appearance of connection or association with Jesus. They look like they're one of us. They look like a branch. And if they leave the faith and they never come back, Scripture says that it reveals they never truly were one of us. There are so many passages that tell us that no true believer will be lost. And that Jesus will make sure of it. There are so many passages that tell us that our salvation is not based on works. But that it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We don't earn it. And we don't maintain it. But we also can't help but bear fruit because the Holy Spirit indwells us and connects us to Jesus, who is the true vine. In light of this, we should expect 
we should expect to bear fruit. And if we don't, then the Bible is very clear. For the Bible tells us about, gives us other illustrations, like plants that sprout up and look like they have life, but then they wither away because they weren't truly rooted in the good soil of Christ. They look alive. They have an appearance of joy. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and they prove unfruitful. And that's a really challenging example to us in America, the deceitfulness of riches. But in Afghanistan, their challenge is more like the seed that was sown on rocky ground where the threat is persecution. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Keep praying for them. Go to Voices of the Martyr website. They give a whole list of various ways that you can be praying for them. Pray for their protection. Pray that this incredibly intense trial, this persecution will prove to be a pruning, a pruning that grows the church and makes it more fruitful. And if real persecution ever comes to us in the United States, it will surely reveal who truly belongs to Jesus, who are branches being pruned and who are branches that are shriveled up and thrown into the fire. And as dry, fruitless branches, they're removed. As that happens, what's the result? Doesn't the plant grow stronger? Doesn't it become even more fruitful? So yes, there are branches that are connected in one way, but are still dry and lifeless. Just as there are church members who attend and speak the language and aren't ultimately saved, who are not indwelt by the Spirit, who do not have the life of Christ flowing to them and through them. If you are a branch of Christ, then you are connected to other true branches, branches even in Afghanistan. And as Pastor Dale wrote in last week's email, it should, they should seem like a brother and a sister right next door. Our hearts should break at the terrible events that we hear going on. It should cause us pain and grief. It should cause us to pray and ask for their protection, for, for their growing faith and confidence and hope in God. And another point Jesus makes about branches is that painful circumstances, they don't just happen. They don't just happen without God's good purposes. Jesus tells us that God will make his fruit-bearing branches all the more fruitful by pruning them. The Father cuts us back. Not to hurt us, not to be destructive, not because he doesn't know what he's doing. No, there's always a good purpose. And it may appear confusing to us. It may be confusing to us because the thing pruned was something fruitful, something that would continue to bear fruit. And then this plan of ours, this ministry gets trimmed back, and we're left thinking, God, why would you do that? It was good. It was growing. It was right. So 
Why God? Why? And we need to we need to just come back to the fact that we can trust him. There may be times when the vine looks kind of stumpy <laughs> with no leaves. But then we learn that the pruning leads to another season. And God knows what he's doing. And his pruning will always, in his timing, lead to more fruit somewhere on the vine. So here's our response to this truth. The main message of Jesus in our text tells us to abide in him. Abide. Stay. Remain. In Christ. What does it mean for us to abide in Christ? Jesus says in verse 3 if you're already, or, or you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you, if you're in Christ, it's because of the work of the Spirit to open your eyes to the word. He's shown you God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. And if you're in Christ, you're clean. You're righteous in God's sight. You're forgiven. You're as clean to God as Jesus is clean. You're clean. You're clean because of the word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And now, as clean branches, we stay connected to the vine. We remain on the vine. So abide in Christ. Don't be disconnected. Christ gives us his church. He gives us his word. He invites us to pray. There's nothing new. Church, Bible, pray. Massively critical. We abide in Christ by remaining connected to the various means of grace that God gives to us. A Christian who thinks that they don't need the church is like a branch that thinks they can survive without being connected to a vine. We need the vine's sap that enables us to live and bear fruit. And Jesus has given us his church as a means of being connected to him. And being connected to the church is much more than listening to a message online. And, and I want to be sensitive. We're in strange times. People have different health issues, or people might have a sniffle and not know, and they need to stay home. So we're in unusual times, and I want people who have these concerns to take advantage of watching us online. But I have a bigger concern, which is when you don't have th those concerns and you're staying home just because it's more comfortable and you're used to it. That's a bigger concern. You need to realize how important it is to get back and be with your church family, that our connection to each other, it's vital. It's vital for bearing fruit. Church is much more than simply a message heard. It involves people, a family to love and minister to and work through problems with. And in doing so, we're abiding in Christ. Years ago when my family was up in uh, Portland, stuck in the hospital for months, I remember how special it was Drew Aspinwall figured things out to give us a live stream before the days of us live streaming. So we just had this, this ability to 
to um, check in with church, and we missed it so much. And it was an amazing blessing. And it was an amazing blessing not because we could hear a message or sing some songs, um, because we could tune into any number of sermons, really, or Christian music to sing along with. But it was special because this is our family. And we saw people that we loved. And that is church, our connection to one another, living life together as the family of God. So when the time is is right for people who are staying at home, one vital way for you to abide in Christ is to come, to be connected, to be a part of Christ's body in a, in a local church family. So there's more... There's much more pruning that goes on when you're actually with real people, right? It's difficult, and we're pruned when we're around other people. God's design is for this. He knows what's best. You can't abide if you're constantly traveling. You can't abide if you're doing sports on the weekend or supplementing in any activity without actually joining a church, and when I say church, I don't mean gathering at the coffee shop with some buddies and doing a Bible study. The way God designed church, and he set it up, is there are roles, there are elders, there are deacons. There's a purpose in that for accountability. So we need, to, we need that accountability. We need to be together. We need to be in the structure that God designed. You can't abide if you're never here. And our fruitfulness will always come back to the church, the Bible, and prayer. God has given us his church along with the sacraments of baptism and communion. He's given us his word that we need to read and study and have it preached to us so that we're accountable. And he's given us the gift of prayer. Abide. Stay. Keep yourself connected to Christ through the church, through God's word, through prayer. And in doing so, Jesus promises that he will abide in you. Jesus will be with you as you abide in him. And if he is abiding in you, then you will, you cannot help but bear fruit. And this fruit Maybe evangelism, but primarily what this fruit will be is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ being worked into your life. And if a person claims to be a Christian and they're just not loving and joyful and kind, if the fruit of the Spirit is not something people would use to describe them, then that person person should consider these fruitless, lifeless branches that are thrown into the fire, and that person should be concerned. Our faith is not just some past decision that we make. 
There should be evidence. If this is you, then you really need to come back to the gospel. You really need to face the problem of sin and turning from it and turning to Jesus and putting your trust in him alone. We all need to abide. We need to engage with God's church and be accountable. We need to read and study his word. We need to pray and love Jesus by obeying his commands. And if you need help with this, I or a number of people here would love to come alongside and show you what it means to abide in Christ. So let me encourage you from this illustration of Jesus to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, to, to seek out opportunities, to put them to work as you serve and bless others with the love of Jesus. Humbly recognize your need to abide in Christ by being a part of a church family, listening to him through his word, going to him in prayer, And in doing so, Christ will abide in you and make you fruitful for him. Let's pray. Father, you are so gracious and kind. You are deserving of all praise and glory. And your son is that true vine in whom you are well pleased. And through whom you've brought joy to the nations and refreshing forgiveness to sinners like us. Father, help us to trust you in your pruning, knowing that it may be painful or confusing at times, but ultimately our hope is in you. Ultimately, we know that you are good and wise and desire our reward as we're fruitful to you. Lord, we lift up our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, asking for their protection, knowing that you, Jesus, are with them. We pray for their faith to be strengthened as they know your presence and as we pray that they'll sense prayers of the saints as well. God, you are just, you are good. Help us to abide in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.